Hey, Ben, how are you? Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear the music? Oh, yes, I can. Awesome. This is the, the Rise of the Kings, just for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. There we go. This is like better than Rocky. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stop this. Uh, yeah, it's, we have a, a couple of minutes uh, before we start. Yeah, I don't know why sometimes. Uh, maybe because, I don't know, maybe because I made a mistake with you. I don't know. But it's a good day. Right now we're connected. Yeah, it was weird because the, the, so the first time I tried to join, it didn't ask me to access my microphone. Okay. And, uh, and this time it did. So okay. that was, yeah, I guess that was the only difference there. Oh, awesome. So, um, yeah. So, you, 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 uh, so you're back in Ponte Vedra right now? I'm, I'm actually, I'm back in Berkeley now. Oh, Berkeley. So I, I, went, okay. I was back in Florida for, for a couple of days there, um, kind of like right after the Olympic decision and then came back out here. Okay. So kind of, I kind of figured like if I was going to get, if I was going to get stuck somewhere, <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to get stuck in, uh, in Berkeley. Uh, Don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just like, I mean, I, I love my parents. My parents are awesome, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go back to, to high school living. <laughs> so, so it's, okay. yeah, it's, it's been nice getting back out here. I think it's it's two thirty, so let's start this with whoever is online, um, you know, um, and 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 this is just the the second time, you know, I, I had one with Joseph, uh, schooling, a few hours ago, so uh, in the in the other one I thought, um, you know, I had the music ready, so I'm gonna have the music ready so you guys can hear the rise of the king, and this one is for Brian. So whoever is here, uh, come on, don't laugh. You know, we're going to improvise here. Eh? I have a lot of uh, special effects. Too. So, but I think right now we have around 17 people online. So, you know, people will keep joining. And we're going we're gonna, to, you know, just talk. And um, and if, you know, at one point, you know, I'll, I'm going to ask uh, the people that they're uh, listening if they want to, Ask you any questions or anything that they can maybe type it, and you, you, you can you see if people type yeah. on the screen? Yeah, 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 I could see the uh, I could see that little chat screen. So if we're chatting about something and you see that somebody posts something that it's interesting for you to to share, then just keep it in your mind, and then we can talk about it. Okay, right. good stuff. Uh, first of all, we're here with Ryan Murphy, um, Olympic champion. I think uh, for me, most important, besides being an Olympic champion, you know, uh, he's uh, kind of like a very dear friend. Uh, I had the opportunity to coach him since he was pretty young and um, go through a lot of interesting moments together. Uh, and uh, as he grew as a, as, a, as a swimmer, I grew a lot as a, as, a, as a coach, you know. And I think besides helping me being a better, uh, a better coach, he helped me be a better parent, too. you know. Um, some of the stuff that I, you know, Ryan is a very methodical person and a person that needs to to be to have a, a big plan and and follow those. And he put me online many times, and that was very good. And at his young age, he was, you know, you were very good with me, man. Yeah, like, and you were always keeping me online. We had a a plan, and if I deviated from the plan because we had so many people in the team. You're always able to call me out and keep me in a straight line. So that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> Sounds like I was the uh, the enforcer of of the Bulls group there. Yeah, well, more than the enforcer, I think you you know a lot of the kids uh, at 14, 15, 16, they believe they want to be an Olympic champion or a state champion or whatever, but they get distracted a lot with other things, you know. And we had a at one point, we, our group was 108 people, you know. Um, yeah. So we had a lot. We had a lot of people, and and you were, you know, you, you you knew what you wanted, and you trusted the process. And and you know, I remember having those meetings. There, we kind of set up a plan. When I, I met with Bill Sweetenhan and 
and and I, I went and met with Eddie Rees and about backstroke, like about backstroke and the plan, and and you were very good at keeping me accountable. So that's that was awesome. And, but I think most important, this conversation is going to be just. I don't have anything prepared, so we can just chat about things. Um, and uh, most important in, in this time is like, you know, how are you doing, Ryan? How how's life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every everything's good. It's been kind of a it's been kind of a whirlwind of, of a couple of weeks here. I, I mean, going back to beginning of March, like we were we were competing in Des Moines, um, and so I was like totally locked in in a really nice spot in training and just like totally like laser focused on, on trying to be as good as I could every day. Um, and, and then as, as this pandemic kind of progressed every, every single day that, that became a lot more of my thought space. And, uh, as, as the Olympic decision came down, I mean, there was, there's just like such a, such a, a rush of emotions. So I was like, like, obviously I understand the human side and, and we need to do our part to protect the medical community and, and protect our families, our friends and, and our local community um, on the competitor side. Like I was, I was in a really good spot. And so I, so I want to, I want to finish the job. Um, and, but, but this time has been really cool. I, I feel like there's, there's, there's a lot of opportunities for, for personal growth kind of outside of the pool that, that I, that I've really enjoyed. Um, you know, just learning a lot about myself and, and talking to a lot of people, getting getting everyone's perspective, because I think everyone has a, a unique and different perspective uh, just based on what their life has been so far. Um, and, and so it's been cool to kind of like reconnect with some old friends, um, you know, someone like someone like Joseph included. You know, like I I try to talk to Joseph like once every two or three weeks, um, but it's been cool talking to him in this time and just like how how much optimism he has um and, and really how excited he is to have another year to to get better and so it's it's really cool to hear from people like that um and so it's 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 cool it, there's like a, there's a just a really good sense of community right now um and, and so I'm, I'm appreciative that that you're doing this this gives us an opportunity to to reconnect like we've both been super busy so so we don't uh i mean we don't do a great job keeping in touch and, uh, and so I'm, I'm really thankful that, that we have this time to, to kind of take a step back and, um, and, and reconnect a lot. Uh, I, think, I think for me, uh, I agree with you. I think this time, um, I, I, you know, it, it's time to reflect and enjoy. And, you know, we talk about family time. And if, if you don't have a family, time for yourself and time to really contemplate sometimes and really realize what, what is this your purpose here? You know, because sometimes we get so caught up into the win, the win, the win, the improvement, improvement, the higher salary, the higher this, and we forget the reality of what we do things. You know, I think uh, you know uh, this is a very good time for 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 us to do that. You know, um, I'm very happy that uh, I can connect with you. Uh, I've been able to connect with with Joseph. You know, and because of Singapore and coaching in Singapore, I was a little bit more connected, but. You know, one of the decisions that you have to make as an age group coach is that, you know, when I was at Bulls and, you know, in, in, in seven and a half years, we put over 200 kids in college. One of the things that I had to visualize is that once the swimmers were gone to a team in college, they were not your swimmers anymore. They were your friends, maybe. But it's, you don't want to interfere between a new coach and, and the new thought processes and all that stuff, you know. And that's a hard part from the age group coach, but and that's why sometimes it feels it feels like we are disconnected, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, one hundred percent. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I, very happy. Go ahead, I go ahead. You, I think you, yeah, I think you do a, a really good job managing that because I, like, I, I do know just in in my experience at Cal, like there there are some some age group coaches that 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 just want to they want to keep on coaching their their athletes uh, that, that are in college. And, um, you know, I don't think that's, that's necessarily the best, the best route to go. So I, I do think you do a really good job. Like you, you essentially like gave us, um, you gave us the foundation, you know, like, and, and we, we built off that when we got to college and, um, and like, even, even if you weren't like coaching us on quote unquote, coaching us on a day to day basis, like, a lot of the things that, that you taught us that you ingrained in us at a young age, 
is stuff that we still utilize on a day-to-day basis. Um, and, and like, I, I know at Cal, like after my, after my freshman year, like I, I had a, I had a good freshman year and not like, not, not great, but, but definitely, definitely good. And like, I, I took on a, like, I, I thought back to what we were doing in high school and what, what were the best things for me. And like, those were things that I communicated to, to Cal and, and we, we implemented those into, into our weekly schedule. Um, and so like, even though you weren't coaching me at that time, like your, your impact was definitely felt for, for an extended period of time after, after my high school career. Uh, that's, that's, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. I think, I think as a coach, there's always a thin line that you, you have to, you know, coaching is a very egotistical job, you know, and, and it fits at ego, but I think a lot of coaches oh, yeah. lose, tra- lose track that, uh, it's it's about the talent that you have in front of you. It's how you learn from the kids, and and mm-hmm. and it's their life and it's their moment. You know, it's your moment. You know, with them, it's it's just a small moment, and then you have your moments. You know, so so that's that's very hard. I I can see a lot of coaches that they just keep keep you know trying to get involved with it with it. You know, and, and I've seen it as a college coach. You know, at a not with Olympic champions or with people that have that potential, but even from small teams that the coaches would really want to get involved. And at one point you need to learn that it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think, exactly. I think, I think the most important thing is in life, you know, we talk about making money and, and I don't know how you feel about this, but we talk about making money and being successful and having a big house and, you know, uh, but I think at the end of the day, if you think about it, I believe that the most important things that we have are the relationships that we create with people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how we how we keep those relationships, you know? And, yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's totally fair. I mean, if you oh. you could have all the money in the world, but if you've got, I mean, if you're just kind of a if you're just kind of a prick all the time, you know, no one's gonna want to hang out with you in your in your mansion. Uh, and so, like, I, I totally agree. I, I think yeah. life is just made up of life is just a collection of experiences. Um, and, and like those experiences are, are a lot cooler when you're doing it with, with a group of people. And so I, I think yeah. that's, um, I think you're totally spot on with that. Like, I, I, I obviously, like, I want to have a ton of success and, and make a lot of money, but like the, the first priority always has to be the, the relationships. Oh, everybody wants, yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, uh, now at my age, you know, it's not that I'm that old, but, uh, at 51, you don't think about money, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> you just think about, uh, no, at least for me, you know, it's like, I think about being able to provide for my family and being able to hopefully at one point, you know, uh, retire and have a normal life, you know, because, because it is what it is, you know, and you see a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, yeah, that's, uh, sometimes we'll lose track of, of things. But but yeah. one of the things that we talked with Joseph that maybe you can share, and I think Joseph was a little bit different because uh, his high school experience he had a big um, he had a big uh, shock when he came to to Jacksonville. You know, he was 30 years old and he had yeah. to live on his own at the dorms, and we're talking about doing his own laundry and all this. But uh, how was for you the transition from being uh, a high school uh, swimmer? to a college swimmer and then having your own life, you know, like, like you said before that you love being a home at Ponte Vedra with your parents. And I know they're great people. They've always been very nice. And, but also it's, it's, it's hard when you spend more than certain time with, with your parents, you know? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good question. Um, I mean, when I, when I think about it holistically, cause like, like our, our college or our high school experience, I mean, swimming was obviously a big piece of that, but, but we also were juggling the academics in there. And so I, I think when you, when you put all of that together, like Bowles was a, was a really hard school. Um, and so like when I think about my schedule in high school, when we were doing doubles, I'd wake up at like 4.50, go to morning practice from 5.30 to 7.30, go to school until 3.15, swim until 6.15, do homework till 9 p.m., and then go to bed. Like, there was, there's no, there was no downtime at all. Um, and, and so everything was just so structured. Um, and, and it was just so, 
like you just didn't have any time to really like think uh you were just like all right i'm doing this on to the next task do that when you when i got to college like there's just like i had like three or four hours in a day that were kind of up to me uh like what what do i want to do in this in this time like do i want to go to try to get an a in all my classes um or or do i want to sit back and watch netflix and like that decision is now was now mine um as opposed to like the influence of my parents where if they saw the tv on they're like are you done with your homework and if i said no then they're like all right like let's do your homework um so so all the decisions were mine and and i think that's I think there's honestly, like, it, it brings a lot more satisfaction when you when you have success and you're complete completely independent in in planning your schedule. Um, so, like, I I really appreciated that part of of going to college. It wasn't like I didn't think it was that hard of a transition, um, and I, I think that's I mean kind of a testament to to Cal's culture. Like we were we had our study hours where, where I was studying in the same room as our, as our senior guys on the team. And they, like, they were kind of mentoring us on, on how to study in college, how to deal with professors. And then in the water, like, I I just felt like we were like, we just had a, I felt like we had a very balanced program at Bulls where like we, we were exposed to doing the aerobic work. We were exposed to doing like the really high intensity anaerobic work. We were exposed to doing resistance and so like when we got to when we got to college, I felt like I was I was ready for for most everything that was that was thrown at us. Um, and, and we were also lucky in the fact that we had so many good people like I was I was I knew how to lose in practice because of my high school experience. And I think that's something that that a lot of kids struggle with a lot when they go to college, like you're taking 30 of the best guys from their individual club teams and you're throwing them in to, I mean, I'm one of the best training groups in the world. And, and it's like, okay, like, how do you deal with getting beat? Um, and so I, I think that that's something that, that was really unique about our, our high school experience that, that I'm really happy that I had. That's awesome. I, I know, I know we had a lot of competition when we're, uh, you know, I think the coaching staff did a very good job in empowering the whole group, uh, to race every day, you know, and, uh, I think one of the ways to keep the kids engaged in in, in in swimming when they're young is about racing. You know, sometimes the long stuff that you have to do, you have to do it. But um, but yeah, I, I, you know, some of the practices that we had, that you guys, you know, did were very impressive. I haven't seen many college kids do what you guys did. You know, as a collective group too. You know, and I, I think I'll, you know, talking with with Jason and with uh, John John Sakovich and. With all these coaches, we agree that I think we did a good job preparing you guys for many different type of programs. Because you know, you, you went to you went to Cal, Joseph went to Texas, Santa went to USC, Caleb went to uh, uh, Florida, and there's so many more. They went to so many good programs or so many, and m- most of you were successful, you know, because you adapted yeah. well to the training. So. Yeah, and I, I think it was it was totally interesting. Also, just like looking at the progression we all had, because um, it was like year one, we were all we were all pretty good. You know, like we we continued to improve, um, but it it wasn't like stellar. But then once we hit sophomore junior year, we we were able to adjust to to the to the new training types that the the, the new training programs that we were put in, um, and, and so I thought it was really interesting, like just looking at the the improvement trajectory of all of us, you know, like I would say, I mean, the Olympics was between my junior and senior year. And, and so that, that year was probably my biggest improvement. I mean, Joseph, um, Joseph's was during his sophomore year. So in between sophomore and junior year, and he really came on hard that year. Caleb's was in between his junior and senior year when he had that, that 2017 worlds where he just, took off um and then santo was in between his junior and senior year as well so like it i, I think it, it's super it's super interesting and um i mean i i know it's not a coincidence but i it's a, it's a little bit like I, I don't know why why we all why we all took off so much during our our junior years of college so maybe maybe you could talk about if that was like part of the plan or well or, or what I, 
I think I think yeah, uh, in in a way yes, because we always talk about not doing weights, not doing these, uh, because you will get to do certain things in college. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in my eyes, have always been that uh, an athlete, a, a male swimmer, is going to be ready to swim at the highest level, uh, to start swimming at the highest level between the ages of nineteen, if they're very uh, uh, ahead of their, their time, to the ages of twenty-one, twenty-two, and that's mm-hmm. that's when. Uh, an athlete can. If you see a lot of the guys, they do very well at 21, 22, and then they have a hard time staying there, you know, and then they have a season and then maybe they improve one-tenth of a second. To, but they can they can still have a long life, you know, because we have many swimmers that, that they're 30 years old, but maybe they swim their best time uh, four years ago. And now, yeah. you know, they, they improve one-tenth of a second. It's It's a huge thing, you know. So I think physiologically and psychologically, a male swimmer would be between the ages of 19 to 21 to be ready to to make a jump. You know, uh, we always try. We work very hard. Uh, we cannot deny that we work very hard. But we always talk about uh, about saving you guys for the next coach. That that's another hard thing as a coach to think that because if I put you in the weight room when you were 15 or 16. And with you know, maybe instead of fifty three three coming out of high school, you go fifty two seven. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's very hard as a coach not to push that way. You know, but but also I think maybe because my background, I was a late bloomer, and I, my coach always told me, and people told me that I would do very well later on, and that I shouldn't rush uh, trying to swim fast. You know, so yeah, you know. I, I want to believe that was part of, like the byproduct of what we try to do as coaches and swimmers over there at Bolts. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think that's pretty unique, and especially looking at the, I mean, the recruiting landscape now. Like everything's pushed up a year, so yeah. I mean, I just like from what I see, I just feel like kids are, are reaching their potential earlier and earlier, just because I like. Like there's there's incentive now to start lifting when you're 15, so that when you're getting recruited at 16, you're in a really good spot to to to, to get a scholarship. <laughs> well, but if you think about it, it's like the the top times are not improving that much. You know, every once in a while, people, but you know, the records of these, they're not improving that much. Uh, the top first or second or third place are not. But what's improving is the middle part. The middle part has improved mm-hmm. so much. You know. But the top is not, and, and it improves so much at an early age, like you said, you know. But but yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, it, it takes away a little bit of the life of this the athlete. I think pushing yeah. too early. But, yeah, I think it's interesting too because I feel like if I look at like my what I would call like my generation of of college swimmers, so like my class, the, the class below me, um, and maybe the class above me, like we we basically like reset all of the NCAA records, but I don't feel like we, uh, I don't feel like the long course times have improved a ton. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like a little bit skewed more to like short course improvement as opposed to uh, like holistic improvement. True. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. You know, that's, that's interesting. You know, um, but you know, your, your class and the class above and the class below, uh, he had so many talented athletes. You know, it was like yeah. you you went to junior nationals or you went to senior nationals with with your group, and and you thought that oh, this guy can be second. And out of the blue, there's four young guys that just improved so much that now this guy gets fifth. You know, so mm-hmm. so yeah, those classes were really really good. You know, so they were and, yeah, they were, to- they were totally stacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know. Uh, I remember when you, you came out of high school, 155 to on the back, and there were like five or six guys around that age. They were between 155, 156. You know? Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, there's a thousand ways to get to the same place, no? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, so, and 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 talking about now uh, that you become a professional athlete, and uh, how was that transition? You know, like. Uh, has it been hard to to not to train with the team, even though not all the time, but, you know, not having the dual meets and just having to do whatever mm-hmm. you do as a professional athlete? 
Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, I think this kind of gets back to like the, the transition from high school to college. Like high school, everything is planned out for you. So like literally like 30 minutes of free time a day, college that increases a little bit. And then when you're done with, <laughs> with taking classes, I mean, now I've got like, I mean, the majority of my day, I get to decide what I want to do with it. And so it's just a lot of, like, I, I've got to take ownership over my day. Um, and there's a lot of time away from the pool. Uh, so, like, I, I I think that I've I've figured out a lot more, like, a lifestyle of success in, when I turned pro. And I think that that definitely took a while. Like, I think the year... So I guess that would have been the 2017, 2018, like school year. That was my first year when I was done with school. Um, and so I would say that was probably the hardest year of my life so far, where it's just like you're, you're dealing with the emotions of like, you're not, you're not living with, with all of your best friends anymore. Your best friends are, are done with swimming. So, uh, so that, that's a little bit of, that was a big adjustment for me, um, and then it's also like, okay, like I don't have, I don't have my family supporting me anymore. You know, like I, I'm done with school. So like the scholarship goes away. I have to like actively make money now and, and to actively make money, it's an exchange of services. So now I've got to manage traveling and, uh, and manage like, okay, like what is, what's an appropriate amount of money to travel for and, and sticking to that. And, and realizing that, that I've got to take a long-term view. So, so my success, like my success now pays more in the long term than trying to do a swim clinic every day, uh, and, and make money that way. So, so I, I just had to, I just had to prioritize what I want. Um, and just, just realize like the, the most important thing is, is my swimming career and, and having the, the best swimming career possible uh, at this point so uh I, I think that was that was definitely a big adjustment for me sure yeah i think well and how do you feel about i don't know if this has ever happened to you because i was talking with uh joseph about this about uh that i think it's a very big problem with anybody it doesn't matter if you're an olympic champion or you're an NCAA champion or you're like a state champion or or a summer league champion uh, uh, have you feel do, do you feel have you felt at one point that you you lost ownership of your own swimming because you had so much pressure and and you had so many things going on that at one point you felt that if you didn't swim fast or break a world record or win a gold medal the, uh, people would be disappointed at you uh, yeah I, I mean joseph's got a different situation than I do just like just given the the country that he's from and like the the amount of relative success he's had compared to to their historical success is um, you know is, is super impressive. So so my my situation is a little bit different in that where it's like you know like there's there's been a lot of Olympic champions from from the U.S. in, in swimming and and so there's there's not as much pressure from that standpoint. I will say though like I think. I think the hardest thing that I've had to deal with in my career is, is when I set the world record, you just expect because you're, you're the world record holder that you're supposed to just dominate every time you get in the water. And it's like, I, I think back to, to the year I set the world record and, and we were at a, we were at a Grand Prix in January and I got third in the hundred back at that Grand Prix. And that's not a big deal, <laughs> you know? So like, I, I think I, in my mind, I raised the level of importance of, of things that didn't really matter. Um, and then it's, it's also like the mentality of thinking like, okay, like I, I want to break the world record. And like, that sounds pretty daunting and, and almost unattainable. But then when I frame it as I want to go a best time, th that's what I've been doing my whole life. And, and it's the same thing. Going a best time is breaking the world record. And so like, I, I had to shift my mindset from thinking like, okay, I, I want to set world records to, I want to go best times. Uh, and that just, that, that took a lot of the, the internal pressure I felt like off of me. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like Joseph's situation is different because you have a billion people in South, Southeast Asia that 
they idolize the kid, you know, and yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like I remember when I worked in Singapore, I would be having a coffee somewhere. And granted, that I look very different than most of the people around there, but people will come up to me, "Oh, you're Joseph Schooling coach! Oh, you're Joseph Schooling coach!" And they thought that I was so special, you know. So I cannot imagine yeah. uh, Joseph. I know, I know when when I got the bronze medal in the Olympics um, in 1988, it was the first medal for my country uh, at that at those games and. Uh, and their country for I think six or seven days was expecting a medal, and I remember the pressure that they put on me or that I felt I had was, I, I would say unbearable many times. You know, uh, when I came back to Spain after the Olympic Games, I stayed for ten days and I changed my plane ticket and I left because if I go to a restaurant, if I if I would go out dancing like a, at a club like I used to do before that nobody knew me, now everybody would be questioning what I was doing. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was, you know, uh, losing ownership. I think, and, and that uh, at, at that level, uh, people might relate, but it happens to everybody. You know, you can have a kid to swimming uh, at a summer league, and he's the champion of the summer league all the time. And out of the blue, some new kid moves in the neighborhood and beats the crap out of them, out of him. Mm -hmm. And now we have a problem. You know, uh, so I don't know. I I, I just thought they would be good and I, I'm excited I'm happy that you you've been able to you know understand that it's about your best times and take the pressure away from the world record and all, all those you know good. yeah yeah and I, I think at the end of the day you know it's like I, I I think people I mean I think fame is a motivator for some people mm -hmm. um, and it's like it's like you know me like I'm I'm pretty naturally like very competitive and, and pretty fiery so like i don't i don't feel like I, I don't feel like i need any extra motivation and like I, I think that's how people that's how people view fame like they, they want that they want that they want the platform they want the the financial things that go along with having fame um but it's just like you, you don't you don't need it uh like sure. at the end like it's just i don't know it just it seems like it frustrates me when I feel like people are like selling out to, to, to get fame. Uh, sure. just cause like, it's, that's not, that's not why you, that's not why you do something. Uh, at least that's, that's just my opinion. Uh, I, I really believe that I, I think I had this in my head from an early age, but I, I, now even more, I really believe that uh, success or fame or whatever is just a state of mind. Mm -hmm. And, and as long as you, you can, at the end of the day, what the end of a uh, a task, uh, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I give my 100% through the process and I give my 100% at this moment, at this moment in time. That, and there's nothing else I can do. You can cry for five minutes, but then you have to check it out and move on. You know? totally. and, and pe yeah. people, people have a hard time understanding that. You know, And the hardest part is not, I don't know if you if you agree with this or not. Uh, success is is not is not difficult to have. I think the the hardest part of all is to create sustainable success. You know. Well, yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, like, and people don't understand that it's easy to get there. The hardest part is to stay there. You know. One hundred percent. You know, one of the things that I talked with Joe, Jojo, like I told him, I was like, Joseph, that's a matter what people think. You are an Olympic champion. And nobody can take that away. And 20 years down the road, people will come up to you and say, wow, you're an Olympic champion. They don't mm -hmm. care. You know? And, and you know, it's, it's, but it's hard to see, you know, with all the press and all the media. And nowadays, even more with all this social stuff, social media stuff that we have. You know? but, yeah, yeah. The, well, yeah, the social media is a totally different. I mean, that's, a, that's a whole conversation on its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's that's a that's a brutal part of uh of being professional and like i mean there's there's obviously great things about social media like the ability to to stay connected with people um but it's like you could definitely go too far and like you can't a lot of people can never get away from from what their job is you know mm -hmm. and just because of the social media and uh and so that's definitely something that that all of us learn to manage in in the first couple months of our professional careers <laughs> sure 
Well, but even for anybody, like, you know, like I always tell them when people are, hey, how's everything going? Sometimes I tell them, I ask, I ask them, so what do you mean? My dysfunctional life that nobody knows? My okay life, normal life, or my social media life? As you know, yeah. many times <laughs> in our social media life, we portray happiness and excitement and success. Mm-hmm. Not many people portray sadness or, or, you know, you try, uh, you know, some people express things and if they had issues and this and that. But you don't see a lot of uh, sides or uh, things from the people just depressed, you know, and mm-hmm. and it's a very, you know, um, it's a very fake uh, oh, 100%. You know, perception of the world, you know. Yeah, I think I think a lot of social media is just operating like it's just operating in the extremes, you know, mm-hmm. so like and that's I mean, that's just not like that's just not that's not. Yeah, it's not real. You know, mm-hmm. like I think um like, I, I think, I don't know, if you take someone, I'm trying to think of an example. I, I just think, I just think in general, like, most people are, are pretty relaxed, like, pretty, pretty chill. Um, and, like, that's, <laughs> you can't really portray that in a picture, you know? Like, like a lot of what I enjoy to do is just, like, hang out with, uh, just hang out with my friends and just be, like, a normal 24-year-old guy. And, like, sure. that's... You know, I'm not going to take pictures of me and my friends just sitting on the couch watching Netflix. Uh, and so, like, it's, yeah, I, I social media is definitely, uh, I mean, that's definitely something that's that's tough to, to navigate at this level. Oh, yeah. Like, I know when I was at, before I came to Bowles, uh, I was not allowed to have Facebook by the school and all that stuff. And when I came to Bowles, I realized that the only way that I can connect with these people in a certain level is through social media. And uh, so I created my Instagram and my this and, you know, and sometimes, you know, I don't portray anything, nothing that I am not uh, because, you know, if I want to tie my hair and show it to people, I do it. Um, (laughs) You know, if I want to eat donuts right before nationals, I take my swimmers and we eat donuts. I don't care, you know, but, um, but it's a very, uh, uh, it's, it's uh, people, the perception that you can see, it's, it's probably not the true reality of, of people, you know? And mm-hmm. and people live in, the, in that world. Yeah, it's it's a dangerous world. You know? Totally. So, totally. But totally. Uh, uh, like, like, do you have anything that you want to share? Because if not, we can ask questions and see if, the, if people in the audience have any questions. Is there anything that comes yeah. to your mind through the process when uh, we train together, or yeah, uh, I think you were, I think, uh, I think you, something that that I'm always. Uh, I'm curious about is like, what was, what was your favorite part about having, having like when, when I was at Bulls and and we had that, that just, I would say 2012 was probably my favorite year of, uh, of my experience at Bulls. And, and and that was just because of like the group of people, you know, like it was just a really solid group of seniors that year. Everyone was so like hyper-focused on, on getting better. And even though we were a club team, we're all like super motivated by, by the Olympics and we wanted to go to Olympic trials and perform really well. And, um, and I, and I think there was just a general understanding among the, the people on the team that it's like, this is probably going to be the, the biggest moment of a lot of our swimming careers. And like, we want to make sure that we're, we're prepared to, to do our best there and, and reach our potential there. So I would say 2012 is my favorite year at Bulls. But do you, what was your, like, what was your favorite part of, of coaching our group? Like, is there a specific moment or like, you know, just something that, that even happened on a day-to-day basis that, that you really enjoyed about our group? I think, I think, you know, and I think I mentioned this to you before. I, I, I didn't, I went to balls by default, you know, I'm very thankful. Eh? I very thankful to Craig Troy and to the ball school. But I was having issues, uh, not issues with the school, but my mom had big issues in Spain. Uh, so I had to bring her over and uh, my, I was coaching at West Virginia University and the athletic department pretty much washed their hands. So it was very difficult for me to to support my mom. So uh, I found a job at Bowles in a matter of a week and I found myself there. And I remember the first six months or so, I was walking around very excited about the job. My mom is there. My family is there. My kids can go to a beautiful school. So the surroundings are awesome, you know. But I had no clue what was my purpose there, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it took me, I would say, around six months. And that was before, though, because that was 2009, 2007, sorry. So I think one of the decisions that I made was I want to learn from the kids that I coach as much as I can and make the best, I don't want to say product, but in a way product possible for the next coach to take it to the next level. So we'll coach every single stroke, every single distance, the best that we can. So with that being said, I learned so much from all of you, you know, like, you know, uh, we can say, you know, I remember watching you or watching Joseph, you know, like when Joseph first came and you watch, uh, he was like this little skinny kid that his fingers will look for the water and then catch the water in his freestyle and do things that they were different, you know, and as a coach, you know, uh, you become better if you understand the talent that's in front of you and, so I learned so much and we evolved so much, you know, collectively, you know. So I think that was very good. That, you know, I had, you know, I think I had so many good memories of just sitting one-on-one with many of you and people that, other swimmers that people don't know and just talking about life and trying to make sense of whatever situation was. So I, I, I really enjoy all that. I, I, I really, I had a lot of opportunities to 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 help somebody but at the same time to help myself you know mm-hmm. uh my my children were young and uh i i needed also to learn to understand how to take care of them you know and uh your parents were there but with all the borders that we had uh, even though we didn't have that many but let's say with 25 or 30 or, or borders that we had a lot of the parents trusted those kids to us, you know? Yeah. And so you had to think a lot, uh, even though many of you thought that I was an ass sometimes, but you have to think a lot about how can you have that, that, that child or that, that kid, that 15 year old kid to straight and go straight in life, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, there's so many good things, you know, I, I will never change those years that I had, uh, because I think uh, as a coach, well, you guys, you know, put me on the map, if you want to call it that way. But mm-hmm. that's that's important for me, but it's it's not important. You know? But everything else that came along, uh, it's it's really, really good. You know, uh, like Paul's was used to be very good. But when I got there, uh, it was interesting. You know, I was a third coach in a year and a half. And mm-hmm. the coaches that were there before me are great coaches. But uh, it was not uh, internally the best situation possible. And we made a business model that the school really loved. And we built a team from 200 kids to 500 kids. And, you know, so we did a lot of really good things. Totally. Uh, totally. So it's, it's, very, it's very hard. I guess I would say the growth that I had as a person, you know, that would be the biggest thing, you know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that that would be, uh, and good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. And oh, uh, I, I think uh, somebody Petra says here. Hey Ryan, having a very goal-oriented childhood. Uh, do you see that message? Hold on, they're going yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I can see that. I don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah. Were there any moments you felt you wanted to do something else, or were, were distracted from your swim goal? What kept you to stay the course? Um, I mean, I think uh, I would honestly say the only time I really questioned like my like do, like doing swimming as a sport was when I was like age uh, age twelve. So I would say like really like seventh grade was. I mean, that was the first time I, I really started to like invest in swimming and, and like started increasing the practice load and. Um, and I had given up all my other sports at that point. So it was, I mean, it was kind of, I was kind of pushing all my chips towards swimming, uh, to use a, use a poker term. And, uh, and, and that was tough. Like that was, that was definitely tough to, to, to deal with that at, at the age of, of 12 and, and every kid goes through it. So, so I'd say that was the only time where I, where I really questioned, um, you know, questioned like my, my swimming goals and, and, and doing swimming, as a sport. Um, I mean, as I, as I got older, like 
I think what kept me motivated was is the process. Like Sergio mentioned, I'm a very methodical person. And so like, I love being a part of that planning process, knowing what's going on, knowing what's coming. And I get really excited about that. Like I, I get really excited about finding new ways to improve. And I think when I, when I'm able to see the plan and be involved in that plan and, and give feedback on it, like I get, I get really excited for, for the potential improvements. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the things that's helped me stay motivated and, and driven in my career. Awesome. You know, we can answer maybe you and me this one. If the culture of the group of superstars must have been amazing, but was the rest of the team supportive or envious of the of your notoriety? Uh, how did you balance those two groups? Uh, I I think we did a pretty good job balancing everything. I think uh, I, I'm not a perfect coach, and, and, and Ryan can say it, but I, I try to give attention to everybody in the group. And everybody was bought into winning junior nationals and doing these. And we had a lot of kids that were trying to qualify for their country's national teams or, you know, so I thought that we had a pretty healthy culture. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think we were at a, I mean, we were at a very like interesting stage in our lives. You know, like when you're, when you're 15, 16, 17, uh, in the 18, like there's, there's so many changes going on in your, in your body and like in your, in your mentality, like you're, that's really when you're kind of forming, like you're forming who you're, who you're going to be, um, you know, for, for your life. And so I, I think like with the differences and like growth spurts and all that, like people were improving at different times. And, and I, I think it's, I think it's totally normal to be like, to be a little bit jealous. You know, like I remember when, um, I remember when Joseph was like 15 and he went to, he went to sea games and yeah he, just, yeah. He, yeah, he just dominated and he was like dropping all these ridiculous times. And I was like, I was like, damn, like, I, like I, like I was super happy for Joseph and I'm like, I, I, I wish that was me. And like, and my, and my improvements came, came the year after. So like, I think everyone is just improving at different times. Um, but at the end of the day, I think one of the things we did well was was separating the swim competition from from the personal relationships. So it's like I'll, I'll use Joseph as an example again. Like we were we were two very competitive, fiery guys, and like like it wasn't all it wasn't all like sunshine and roses every day every day at practice. You know, we would definitely get get mad at each other and. Um, it, but it never, it never lasted. Like when we got to the locker room after practice, like we'd hug it out and, and we'd be normal 16 year old friends again. Um, so, so I, I think we, I think, I think Sergio and, and the rest of the Bulls coaches did a really good job just fostering, fostering like what the difference is between being competitive and being friends. Um, and so I, I think the athletes did a good job separating those. Wow. Thanks, man. Um, I think I hear uh, Ben is asking, what suggestions both of us have to stay in shape during quarantine? Um, you know, I don't know if you want to answer that and then I can follow up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it kind of depends what you have at your disposal. So, like, I mean, luckily I've got like a, I've got like a 50-pound kettlebell, uh, a boxing bag, and some some ropes and the bike. So like, that's what I'm doing. Uh, but if you don't have access to equipment, like you could do something like, uh, like a wall sit, you know, like challenge yourself on how long can you hold a wall sit and, uh, and get competitive in, in that way. So I, I mean, I think there's, I mean, that's, that's like physical shape. And I, I think this is, this is honestly a good time, I think, to work on the, the mental side. Like we've got, we've got a lot of time and a lot of, um, I mean, a lot of content at our, at our fingertips. I feel like, I feel like everyone's pushing out like these uh, these workout videos and uh, talking about like their their new daily routine. Uh, so so I like watching that and just seeing how other people are are thinking about this and um, you know getting getting decent perspective on on life really in this time. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think there's too much thinking that we're we're wasting time. You know that because we're at home and we cannot train, we're detraining. And, 
you know me, uh, Ryan, you know, many times I say, hey, you need to take a break or you go on vacation and you're going to be okay. You know, I think, I think um, my suggestion would be do what you can without being obsessed, you know, take care of yourself every day. You can run, you can walk, you can, but also take care of your mindset, you know, like uh, visualize your races, visualize uh, what you want to do when all this is open and, and also set good habits, you know. Now, right now, you can schedule yourself to, I, I can study, I can exercise, I can play video games, I can hang out with my family, you know, you, and you can have a very good routine that later on you can implement that when you go to college or high school. I think the exercise, whatever you do, that you do it and you're happy, you will, you will be good, you know. Uh, uh, we're not allowed to coach our kids, you know, because the NCA doesn't allow us and our conference doesn't allow us to, to send them anything. So I give them some volunteer stuff uh, once a week or whatever, and whoever does it, does it. I cannot even ask them. So as a coach, I have to sit at home trusting that when we start, everybody will have a good mindset and we'll go, you know, and, and it, there's no, you know, that's, that's what I think, you know. Uh, you know, it's, you, you cannot overthink nowadays. So. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, one of the goals that we have with our team right now is I told them, hey, let's get a 4.0. Right now, you don't have any excuses that you're exhausted because of training. Just get a 4.0 and let's see if we can do that. You know, and we'll see. <laughs> we might have a 1.9. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but, but I think that's, that's important. Um, I think John had a question there. John Sakovich was one of your coaches. Uh, I don't know. I'm having a hard time going up. With this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says oh, yeah, you no. were always yeah. It says you were always aware of your swimming and what you did in the water. Was there ever a point where you felt like it was too much thinking and you just had to go <laughs> for it? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think well, I think that like for me, and and this is an area where I really feel like I developed in college is is the time for thinking is is at the beginning of the season, in the middle of the season, and then when you get to taper. Like that's when I, I try to like shut everything off. So like, I, I think I'm, I think more and I'm honestly more nervous for a race like two to three months out because there's still a lot of things that I can control. Like I can still control my nutrition, my recovery, my conditioning, my technique. Um, and then as it gets closer to the meet, there's, I mean, there's just less things you could do because there's not enough time to, to implement changes. So like, I, I, I kind of like that. Uh, I kind of like that that formula for me, because um, I think there there is it, it, I think when I was growing up in my in my age group career, there were definitely a lot of meets where I where I was thinking too much um, and and got I mean I got really nervous. So that's that's not a that's not a good thing. Um, so so now it's like I, I think I think early in the season I know what I want to do at the end of the season, and so like I, I try to. I try to put those things into action earlier in the season so that when I get to, when I get to the big meet, that's kind of just second nature. And and that's when you, you let the the competitive drive take over. Awesome. And then uh, another uh, Marta says, what do you think just before competing? Yeah. Uh Yeah. So I, I mean, honestly, like for me, like I, I like to think about the race plan. Like I, I like to have a decently like, um, I, I guess in-depth race plan uh, that, that, that that's kind of planned out weeks in advance. So like when I get to the meet, like I, my goal is to put the pressure on executing that race plan as opposed to putting the pressure on a result. Um, and, and that's a really like, that's a very subtle thing. But uh, like if, when I put the pressure on like, okay, Ryan, like you have to follow this race plan uh, that that leads to better performances for me. So so that's kind of what I'm thinking about is what I'm going to do in, in the water. Awesome. I think Harry, Harry or Harry, what su- suggestions do you have for a backstroker 19? And he gives you a times 25, 5, 54. Uh, I'm not sure how we can, you can answer that, but I would, I would <laughs> say, yeah, I would say just keep training and believing, you know, I think the most important thing, you have to have a goal and you cannot give up on that. You know, that's, but I don't know. Do you, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has a different style of backstroke. Like when I, when I watch, 
like myself swim versus a guy like Mitch Larkin. Um, like we, we have a totally different style of swimming backstroke. And so like the, the things that we're feeling in the water are going to be a little bit different. I would say the things that are a constant among the, the best backstrokers is just good body position. So, um, I mean, I guess work on, work on the kick, like basically the foundation of your stroke. So like the kick, the abs, the back. So anything that's like stabilizing your, your body position are, are things that you can work on. Awesome. Oh. Do we have any other questions or anybody else? No, I haven't seen. Oh, Jason, look, Jason is here. Oh, Jason's uh, on. Uh, are, there, are there rituals you have done as a kid have continued throughout your career? Uh, maybe he's talking about the puking thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I puked before a race. I, uh -huh. I used to puke in practice all the time, too. I, I, don't, I don't really do that anymore, either. I That's awesome. I, I, I might begin soft in my old age. I can't push myself as far. <laughs> um, but, but you remember that they they made a bucket. The girls made a bucket with your name, no? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh -huh. That was a that was definitely a ritual. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think the biggest. Uh, I mean, the, the I would say the biggest ritual that I did as a kid that I still do now is I I still always have a peanut butter and jelly before I race. I got. My mom, Sergio, you remember the, the peanut butter and jellies? Oh yeah. Uh, my mom, my mom would always pack me a peanut butter and jelly, and like that's that's now my my pre race meal. So so that's a ritual. And then another ritual I like is, uh, and I guess this is something that kind of developed as I as I got like older um, is like I, I like to look around in the ready room, and I like to, and this is something that Sergio talked a lot about. I like to draw confidence from from other people like i draw confidence when i see someone that's really nervous before a race um and at the same point like i draw confidence from someone i think is is overconfident and and what they can do so um I, i mean that's that's something that that i like to do just by like watching like watching people their body their body language and in, in the ready room on the pool deck um like i i like to yeah i just like to people watch and i think that's something that that gets me gets me ready to compete. I remember uh, 2012, uh, that year of the trials, remember that one of the things that we were working on for you was to try to understand your competition, your body language, the psychology of people, how somebody like Mike Rivers now would talk to you or somebody would look at you. And I think that's that's key, you know. Uh, you, can, you can defeat people uh, just with an eye, looking at them one time or just by walking next to them in a certain way, you know? Um, totally. So, yeah, that's, that's huge. That's huge. So, um, it says, uh, any devastating losses or how do you bounce back? Uh, and then there's another uh, question that I guess is very similar. Any advice of how to bounce back on failure? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good one. Like, I mean, I would honestly say like in, internally like I, I did fine at 2017 worlds and like i did fine at 2019 worlds but it wasn't it wasn't up to my standard so um i would say those are two times where i mean it's not it's not quote unquote devastating but uh i mean those are times where i was disappointed in myself so what what i do after after those things is and i mean this is kind of getting back to my like just being self-aware like i i'm a very fiery guy like i I get super competitive and like there's, there's, there's pros and cons to that. The, the con is that like, I, I also get a little bit angry. Uh, so, so like when I, when I have a bad race, I'm, I'm angry, but I, I have to be, I have to be careful. You know, like it's, it's no one's fault that I didn't swim up to my expectation. Uh, and so I, I give myself a week uh, to, to kind of settle down after the meet. And, and let myself work through those emotions and then come back a week later, uh, either talk to talk to Durden in person or, or on the phone. And it's just like, okay, like let's, let's be honest here. Like this is something, these are things we did well, that I did well, uh, that, that you did well. This, these are things that I need to get better at. Um, and, and then he comes, he comes back and says, look like, yeah, I think you did this well. I think you could do this better. Um, and, and that's a, that's across like that's technique wise, conditioning wise, lifestyle wise. 
Um, and, and then we, we go back to the drawing board and, and come up with, with some changes for the next season. Uh, and, and so that's, that's the way I've always dealt with it. And I think it's, I mean, I think that's worked out well. Like I, I would say coming off of 2019, I mean, I was, I was very frustrated and, um, and we made some good changes in practice. And I mean, I went to, I went to the Des Moines meet in, in March and I approached it the same way I always approach these pro swim series meets. And I was, I mean, those were my best times unshaven ever. Uh, and so like, that's, I was, I was on a really good path to, to do some really good things. Um, and so like, I, I view this season as, as a success. Um, and we're just going to take some things from this season that, you know, we could, we could optimize even a little bit further and, uh, and be better there. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll share my, probably the worst failure that I don't consider now a failure, but at that point was at the 1992 Olympics, uh, when, um, when, uh, I was one of the favorites to win or to be a medal. And it was in my hometown in Barcelona and, I got fourth. The fourth in the Olympics at that level is the, f- the worst place that you can get. Um, and the worst part was that my training partner, the, <laughs> we'll, we'll forget who won in practice every day or not, but beat me by almost three seconds. And I saw 1.2 seconds slower than my best time in my hometown. So uh, I remember I was going to stop swimming at that point and I couldn't. I told my wife and my mom, there's no way I can stop swimming. I don't know how long I'm going to keep swimming. There's something that I need to do. And the next four years, I swam. I trained very hard uh, and I swam horrible. But I think what I learned is that you have to go back to the reasons why you do things, you know. And the reason why I swam was because it made me powerful, powerful internally. And, and you know, when I was young, I wasn't very good, but I was every day I practiced training and that was what made me feel good. And And you have to go back to that. You have to go back to the reason why you swim, you know. And if the reason why you swim is a toxic one, maybe you need to rethink and you need to walk away from the sport. For me, those four years were like kind of like, eh, if I, if, if you know, these four years, I can, if I can understand anything that has happened, I'll be, I always wanted to be a coach. I can teach the athletes that I coach or they cross my path how to understand the moment in time, how you can be. Uh, give you best hundred percent at that moment in time, and whatever happens, if it's an honest one, it's okay, you know. So that's that's how I view quote unquote failure. You know, I think before we go because we've been here for an hour, and uh, 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 Michael Walker has a question here. First golf course you will play after quarantine, and your favorite uh, golf courses. So first golf course I'll play is probably uh, there's some nice ones in in San Francisco. So I'll probably play uh, Presidio. It's a public course, so I'll, I'll just hop on there. My my favorite course I've ever played is uh, so with uh, with my speedo deal I got to play Pebble Beach, Spanish Bay, and Spyglass, um, which are just sick. I would say my my favorite out of those is probably Spyglass. Just there's like there's just so much wind at Pebble Beach and, and Spanish Bay that like it's just it's just like it's almost too hard. <laughs> like I'm uh, not good enough to, to play those. <laughs> so it would be good to see you and Joseph play golf, huh? Yeah, why? Well, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not super good, but I bet I could uh, outdrive Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Let's see the competitive I, I, side of you guys. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll put Jason there too. That he probably is very competitive for golf. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I got I just gotta I just gotta work a hundred yards in. I got that's that's just what I what I suck at. Uh-huh. Like my I can hit the driver straight and then I could pull out the, the five iron and that's just like a just like a I don't even know what it's called when you draw it too far, but I uh I I play a draw naturally and then I just pull it some sometimes with uh with the longer irons. You know, if you and Joseph want to play or somebody, I can I can play with you guys. Well, I will drive the golf cart and I will drink yeah, yeah. and have a cigar yeah. as you as you guys play. Yeah, you'll because... just be uh, following around the beer cart. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Ryan, thank you very much. I'm I'm gonna put some special effects. Look look at this one. Yeah. And this one is for you too.
<laughs> there we go. There we go. If I if I knew how to do the special effects, I'd uh, I'd, uh, I'd do one in your direction too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. But thanks a lot for uh, this uh, this time that you share with us, and and everybody who has joined us. Um, and I'm gonna post the uh, the talk later on, and if you want to send the, the link to your friends and whatever. I think, um, Ryan, I really appreciate, you know, I called you, I think a day ago, a day and a half ago, and yep. you know, you were very quick to say yes. And thank you for, for, you know, spending this time with me and, and with the people that wanted to listen to you. you know? Of course, of and, course. Yeah. Any, anything for you, Serge. Oh, thanks. And, and I'll see you somewhere somehow. And, and when you talk to, with your parents, um, give them my regards. Yeah. I will. I will. Yeah, it was great catching up. Uh, take it easy, my friend. All right. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, thank you very much, guys. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, um, uh, how you call, turn off the, the talk. And you can, you can uh, listen to it if you want to listen to it, if you came in late. You can listen to it at, uh, on my podcast. I'm going to post it probably by tonight. And I'll keep having one more. Next Monday, I'm going to have Santa Condorelli. And, I'm, uh, you know, I talk, I sent a uh, message to Caleb Dressel, so maybe he'll agree too, and then we'll have him here. And then I'm going to try to do this during this time. The, we have time and we're home. All right, guys, you take it easy, be safe, and stay well. All right, bye-bye.